In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Yo, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. Hello. And here on week two of our yearly Black Horror Fest. Black Horror Month. Ha, 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 We are going to spend some time with Ernest Dickerson's Bones, an homage to the 70s revenge flicks starring Snoop. <laughs> it's hard to get it with, with the stuff flashing. An homage to 70s revenge flicks starring Snoop Dogg, Pam Greer, Khalil Khan, Clifton Powell, and Bianca Lawson. But before we see how these bones are rattling. <laughs> You've been waiting all week for that, haven't you? I have. I have. I also have a few throw them bones jokes. <laughs> also, dim bones, dim bones. What's up, everybody out there watching us on YouTube and Facebook? How you doing, each and every one of you? Thank you for tuning in to our little show this week. Um, as Vince alluded, we don't have any emails, but we still have some feedback from each and every one of you that we have received. Um, in regards to our review of The Landlord, Vince, okay, that film? I do. Enjoyed it immensely. Uh, RM uh, left us a comment on on YouTube. Hey, RM. Said, I'm, I'm so glad that you guys have finally got around to doing this one. It's a great film. One quick correction. The film actually received a restoration and was released on Blu-ray in 2019 by Kino Lober, uh, another great boutique that often does criterion-level work in the home video department. It looks great in HD. Oh, that is... That is very good to know. Thank you, RM. Yeah, definitely something to look at. Yeah. Uh, look out for. And we also heard from At Face Brutality in regards to our review of The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Hey, At Face Brutality. Uh, at Michelle Mission, hold up. Was Len about to talk reckless about Ola Ray on The Sweet Blood of Jesus <laughs> review? <laughs> I don't think you were. You weren't, were you? 
Not at all. Not- <laughs> I mean, okay, I easy. <laughs> you have a bunch of fifty-three-year-old black men at your door. I was going to talk reckless about it, but I mean, I mean, you know, come on. I mean, like, how much respect are we really putting on on the name of Ola Ray? You look. Will you stop? Look, look what? I'm just leaving Ola Ray alone. Iconic. All right. Well, Hollywood has them, so I might as well have. All right. So, see, um, see, you had to get your little dig in. You couldn't just leave Ola Ray alone. Just leave her alone. She ran in them heels. And them turquoise leopard print tight pants. She screamed real loud. She turned around. Deborah that Negro had to, turned into a zombie. Deborah Battle wants to know, Vince, exactly how many of these <laughs> bad jokes do you have saved up? Saved up? They're self-perpetuating. Uh, we're going to take a, a look at some of the things that have happened in the news, ladies and gentlemen. And actually, there's really um, one big thing that has that has happened: um, the Eddie Murphy film, the sequel to Coming to America, Coming to America, um, has reportedly been sold to Amazon. Yeah. For, oh, yeah. Where it will stream. On there, uh, presumably, uh, I believe, in around the Christmas season uh, this year, uh, the this sequel to Eddie Murphy's hit movie from the what was that, the, like eighties? I mean, that's how old that film is. I yeah, can't believe it's that it's that old, but it, uh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, 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 the sequel w- to that film, which gross. $300 million back in 1988. The sequel uh, features Prince Hakeem set to become king of the fictional country of Zamunda when he discovers he has a son that he never knew about in America, a street-savvy Queens native named Lavelle. To honor the former king's dying wish to groom his grandson as the crown prince, Akeem and Semi, uh, the returning Arsenio Hall, set back off to America. Um... Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and James Earl Jones are reprising their roles in this film, which will also star Jermaine Fowler and have a supporting cast of Tracy Morgan, Leslie Jones, and Wesley Snipes, among others. When it it drops on Amazon, and they're looking at it possibly hitting there around December 18th. December 18th is what the word is. So uh, how you feel about this? This is big news. It, it sold Look, to Amazon for reportedly $125 million. Look, I think this is where we are. I guess we should probably also mention that Pixar's first animated feature with African-American leads is also coming to Disney Plus. Yeah, and, um, on Christmas Day. On uh, Christmas sold. Day. Look, we are in unprecedented times. Yeah. We are in unprecedented times. And I think we will see more of this the longer this goes on. I think mm-hmm. I think for all of the studio talk and the industry talk, I think Tenet shook people. What shook people? Tenet. The film Tenet. Oh, Tenet. 
Tenet, yeah, the uh, I, um, Chris, Christopher Nolan, the Christopher film. Nolan film. I think that shook people a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. people are trying to make their money. People are I trying think to. That, make, I think not. Ten, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that I think Tenet, which they kept holding back, kept holding back from theaters, and they eventually just had to put it out this summer in on a limited release, and it made some money, but far from what they were expecting and actually far from what they were expecting in its limited release. Yes. Um, I think that taught people some lessons, but I also think they learned lessons from the Disney plus release of Mulan. I was about to say that to their streaming service, but at a premium cost. Right. Uh, And there was talk about Pixar's soul following that same path to Disney Plus, but they opted to um, just drop it on Disney Plus straight as a as as new as you know a uh, uh, new product right. on, on Christmas on Christmas Day. Well, not for nothing. I wonder how many subscriptions did Disney get from Hamilton? Oh, do so. Dude. You know Disney- this sort of self perpetuating. Speaking of self perpetuating, like. I remember when Disney Plus dropped and there was talk of Disney Plus. Right. And the the hubbub, the scuttlebutt, as it were, was when The Mandalorian ended, everybody was going to drop it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think like a lot of folks, I don't know about you, but we got that whatever six month subscription. Yeah. Yeah. Through what whatever, through Verizon or whatever. But the absolute plan in my house was as soon as that six months was over or the Mandalorian dropped, then we were done. Mm-hmm. And then Disney, I think here, here here's a real surprise. Disney had a plan <laughs> and was savvy. Right. Right. And they, they just keep dropping product. And, and, and it, I think this might be the formula going forward. Well, they actually, if you if you follow the the business a little bit, they actually had a story where Disney, in the light of you know the crash, not only of the theatrical business with some movie theaters like either shuttering altogether or definitively saying they're they are closing their doors for the rest of the year, um, with the loss of that business coupled with how hard Disney has been hit on the um, with their vacation and, you know, you know, tourist side, because they've had to close down Disney world, Disneyland, the cruises and all of that, all of that stuff. They did this big restructure where almost everything right now is focused on hyper-focused on their streaming platform which they also just announced is up to I think a little over 54 million subscribers. Yeah. Which oh yeah. Is, which is the number they were hoping to have by the end of year five. Right. And they're already at 54 million subscribers in comparison. And that's just domestically in comparison. Netflix has 167 million subscribers so they are already like you know like they still got a ways to go to catch netflix 
but they're a lot further along than they or Netflix thought right. that they would be. Right. And not for nothing. I mean, let's just be real. We've been talking about the death of the theater model mm-hmm. for at least 20 years now. Yeah. For at least 20 years. And and I, I remember I saw an interview with some, because, I mean, quite honestly, we've been talking about it since the VCR. And it's mm-hmm. like every new technical advance they're like, oh, is this going to be the death of theaters? Oh, this is going to be the death of theaters. And I think what has changed, and and it's just been exacerbated by this moment, mm-hmm. is that if you don't have this sort of nostalgia for the experience, like not for nothing, you and I are always going to go to the movies. Like we're always, like I don't care how big the movie screens get, I don't care how great the the clarity on the television is. You and I are always going to go to the movies because we just right. like the movie experience. Right, right. I don't know if our kids have that 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 kind of nostalgia. Yeah, they don't. We're they like, don't. I, I want to sit in the room and 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 it's dark and it's a communal experience. And I have to say, besides the nostalgia. I'd much rather watch it in my house. Some stuff. There's some stuff that I just, I, I got to see on screen. I mean, uh, but again, is that nostalgia or is that sort of part and That's parcel this... to the, the, the product itself? I mean, I think it, I think it's, it is the spectacle of it all, man. Like, it, it, don't get me wrong. Um, okay. Speaking about the movie that we were talking about, the, the two films that we talked about, uh, so far, coming to coming to America and Soul. Yes, coming coming to America. As I love how you I... keep pausing to make sure the people know that you're saying the number two. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like your precision there, <laughs> Mister Podcast Master. <laughs> because the people watching can see you lift your fingers every time you say the word two, but you understand. <laughs> That people are also listening. So there's a difference between coming to America and coming to To America. America. (laughs) So when it comes to coming to America, (laughs) as much as I, um, you know, am mildly intrigued about the film, to be honest, you know, I'm, uh, I'm mildly intrigued. I'm actually a little, slightly perturbed because I'm su- surprised that Sherry Headley is not in the film but maybe she Sherry Headley is in the film is she? everybody's she w- coming back except Eric LaSalle oh she wasn't listed on the, in, on the, the, the I am that I 90% sure she said she was coming back okay well now, now I gotta go look it up right because it really I was can't... just Eric LaSalle and it was like why aren't you coming back and you know, I got stuff to do I got. I got to find out. What's What's he doing? Uh, uh, I don't know, but he's not um, going to be in coming to America. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm okay, she pos- is. Yeah, she's there. She's there. All right, yeah. you're right. All right, just making sure. Right, I'm just right. making sure. You know, I didn't think Eddie would do her wrong, but I wanted to make sure that he wouldn't do her wrong. Right. And, right. and, and, and Aaron Fry lets me know that she is in it. Okay, I see that, Aaron. Thank you. Right. But. So I'm mildly interested in this film, right? But to be but to be honest, 
I've got a screen that is big enough in my living room. Right. Where I think it will do coming to America justice. Uh, justice. Yes, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Now, a Pixar film, the first Pixar film to feature, you know, African-American faces as like the leads in this animated world with uh, accompanying African-American or black voices uh, behind them. You know, that feat that is focused on black music and and our and, you know, our whole rhythms and vibes. Oh, yeah. I really wanted to see that on the big screen. Okay. I really, really did. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I wanted to see Tenet. Like, I love Chris Nolan films on the big screen. But, I mean, you know, I'm really going to enjoy it on my screen. <laughs> and I don't have to deal with other people. What is it with you and other people? Other people are variables. Hell is other people's. <laughs> Hell is other people. It really is. Like, I like who I like. <laughs> and all of them live with you. <laughs> well, well, that's most of the list. <laughs> that's most of the list. For real. That, that that's the damn truth. That yeah. is the damn truth. Yeah, but you know, I think this I think this is where we where I think this is where we are and frankly where we're going to be. I guess so. You know, I, I guess. I think it's going well, to it, be a boutique experience, which frankly it, it was always tur- it was already turning into. Like when's the last time true. you went to the movies and you didn't reserve your seat and you didn't go to one of these um Big tentpole movies, or, or 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 I was gonna say one of these theaters with the fancy seats, mm. and you order food. Like, when's the last time you schlubbed your butt down to the movie and said uh, two, please? And then you and the person you went with looked for a seat, and then you said, yeah. "All right, you hold the seat. I'm gonna go get some popcorn." Like, when's the last time you did that? It's been a minute. Exactly. It's been a minute. This is where it was headed anyway. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. You know, it's it's funny. It's funny the way your mind works. You talking about how much of a boutique, a boutique experience going to the films are right now is reminding me that I actually paid money to go to the theater, reserve seats in creature comfort recliners to see acrimony <laughs> I remember we actually have that documented that's a that's a great Lynn rant I wish I knew what episode that was <laughs> it wasn't even the acrimony episode it, it was like it, it was like four episode. or five episodes before acrimony we didn't rap we didn't do mail we didn't do news. <laughs> you just start cussing and angry, and at some point you just hit record. <laughs> it 
It was the beginning of the end when I would have to pay to go see Acrimony. Yeah, yeah. Woo. Which I halfway Woo. liked. For the record, remember, I kind of liked Acrimony. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't get me started on, on that. We, you know, we haven't done that for the sh- for the mission yet, though, have we? What acrimony? Officially? Yes, we did. We did. Yeah. Oh, good. All right, good. <laughs> yeah, because I landed on. I I, I kind of like right, it. Right, because that's the only way you, you saw it. That's right. Right, that's right. right. I kind of right. liked it. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Whew. Oh. Oh. I think I, I think I scraped off the, that part of my DNA. So oh. that's I don't even remember it. Anyway. Enough of that. Um, thank you to each and every one of you out there in the Michelle Mission land who has subscribed to the Michelle Mission Dispatch, our new newsletter that has been going out um, pretty much on a weekly basis. I think we got one more for October. I think we're going to be weekly in October, and then it's going to move to three times a month in, uh, starting in November. Uh, we really appreciate each and every one of you, and it's nice to see new subscribers signing on each and every day. Yes, um, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, we th- tell you exactly what films we'll, we will be reviewing for the month, as well as give you some very special features that you can find only on the newsletter and only at MichelleMission.com. So we we appreciate uh, everyone who uh, is checking it out. I don't know if you had a, a chance to check it out, Vince. I did something called Lencast. Yes, I did. I did. Where I did created an African American cast for Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, yes, you did. And I had a, a lot of fun with it. And I established two rules of Lencast for on, on that uh, post. And what are those rules? Rule number one. Rule number one of Lencast is that whenever I cast either Denzel Washington or Don Cheadle in a film, the other will also find a way to be cast in the film so that we have an unofficial um, sequel to Devil in a Blue Dress. I like it. Good rule. That's rule number one. Okay. And rule, rule number two of Lencast. Rule number two. Is that every film that I cast, I will find a role for Nia Long. All right, now. Let's keep Nia Long working. That's right. Those are good rules. I like to think so. <laughs> I like to think so. So uh, you can check that out on our newsletter or, or, hey, you can even go to MichelleMission.com and you can check out, uh, look up Len Cast and you can see exactly uh, the cast that I came up with for Little Shop of Horrors. And, um, All right. Give us a, leave us a message, comment, and let us know what you thought of the cast. All right? All right. All right, Vince. Um, well, the time has come for us to continue our celebration Black Horror Month. Black <laughs> Horror Month. <coughs> it just looks so pretty. Um, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> I wish you, I wish you on a podcast could see the graphic that we have on our on our show. 
Because it looks so pretty. It's 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 very pretty. It's very red. It's very black, and it's very green. <laughs> and I'm very proud of it. Um, <laughs> let's get into our review of 2001's Bones. All right. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Natural high, a supernatural high. is a 2001 American horror film directed by Michelle Mission favorite Ernest Dickerson and starring rapper Snoop Dogg as Jimmy Bones, a good-hearted murdered gangster that rises from the grave to avenge his death. The film is an homage to black exploitation films of the 70s and incorporates numerous elements from the genre. Bones, directed by Ernest Dickerson, with a script written by Adam Simon and <clears throat> Tin Metcalf. Besides Snoop Dogg, stars Pam Greer, Khalil, Con- Khalil Kane, Clifton Powell, Bianca Lawson, and Michael Weiss. Here, our second week of Black Horror Month was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn Webb, what say you about these bones these bones, these bones. I will say this. If you had told me at the beginning of Black Horror Month that we would be reviewing a remake of a certified 70s classic lovingly directed by Spike Lee, 
and an homage to 70s black exploitation horror starring Snoop Dogg. And if you had asked me which of those films are the ones that I would like the most, it'll be well within um, right to say probably the Spike Lee film. Sure. I enjoy a good Spike Lee film. I sure. enjoy Chirac, which a lot of people did not enjoy. Yes. But The Sweet Blood of Jesus, which Spike Lee directed, I did not enjoy. You did not. And I found it to be a bit of a sluggish, uh, self-indulgent bore. Okay. Deja Vu. Bones. Yes. Directed by Ernest Dickerson, who is a devotee of Spike Lee's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starring Snoop Dogg, who is probably an icon in and of himself. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And definitely is by 2001. Mm -hmm. The Snoop Dogg, you know, uh, persona is Baked in. You know it going in. Bones is not a great film. Okay. It's, a, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a film that messes around. It doesn't, it's not sure of exactly what tone it wants to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a film that is let down by some of the inexperience of some of the younger cast members in it uh, as far as their acting chops and it's a film that unfortunately doesn't age well for some of its um, musical choices and some of the more titillating um, imagery that it, that it presents sure uh all that being said, though, it's a silly film that rests on the shoulders of Snoop Dogg, who is nothing but one six-foot, blunt-filled, tight roll of charisma who can pull it off when given the opportunity to do so, as he is in this film. And it features Pam Greer. And if you mm. ever doubted whether or not Pam Greer maybe took a drink of the sweet blood of Jesus, Pam Greer plays herself <laughs> in 2001 <laughs> and plays herself in 1979. Yes. Yes, she does. And I defy you to tell me which one is the one from 2001? Yeah. That yeah, is yeah. that is how immortal Pam Greer is in this film. That Pam Greer in 1979 in the in the flashbacks in 1979 is in scenes with Snoop Dogg as a dealer who meets his demise in 1979. Snoop Dogg who is not 10 not 15, 
22 years younger than Pam Greer. <laughs> Young enough to be her child. And they are sitting there in the scenes in 1979 as lovers. <laughs> and you 100% buy it because she looks like she's, she looks like she could be like 22, 23, however old she's supposed to be in 1979. So you, you buy that. And Snoop Dogg, yeah. We've seen this all before. It's 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 straight out of the black exploitation. He's playing the gangster with the heart of gold. Basically, means just don't sell that stuff in my in in my town. You know, it's it's um it's actually a storyline to a degree ripped uh, ripped out of The Godfather, where you know the the head gangster doesn't want certain drugs sold in his neighborhood because he knows that those drugs will mean the death of his neighborhood. Right. And and this film um, is talking about the oncoming of uh, crack cocaine into, into the inner city and Snoop who is, clearly a gangster clearly making his money off of the numbers off of prostitution and probably off a little bit of of drugs but just sees that the crack cocaine as maybe a bridge too far and doesn't want it's want that to come into the inner city yet of course there are forces um that want to make that happen and they take they take you know things into their own hand and thus he dies um and crack comes to the inner city, right? Right. It's a story you've seen uh, all the time, but you didn't see Snoop Dogg coming back to life. You didn't see Snoop Dogg coming back to life as uh, uh, this 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 spirit of vengeance to wreak uh, revenge on all of those who. Um, who killed him back in 1979 you didn't see any hints of it because he was just a gangster you know he wasn't like you know a gangster that that you know read voodoo he didn't have voodoo in his in his in his um history we don't know that i mean and that's stuff that you don't care about because it's just snoop having fun in this film is Director Ernest Dickerson, who clearly is a fan of horror films, having fun. He's having a whole ton of fun with the imagery because the, <laughs> the imagery in this film, this film is. It's it's really effective, like he is playing with the lankiness of Snoop Dogg. He is playing from his from his body all the way to his fingers. He's playing with Snoop's um, vidges and his face, and he's got him. He's got it superimposed on shadows that are sliding up walls and creeping underneath uh, underneath door rafters. Um, he's got Snoop shown in stark silhouette, you know, um, and it and it works. And this film features easily. The most disgusting scene I have ever seen in a film. Because there is a scene, ladies and gentlemen, where a dog possessed <laughs> by the, the ghoulish spirit of Snoop Dogg. And you know that because the dog's face turns into Snoop Dogg. This dog project, projectile vomits maggots not not vomit maggots what was that 
What was that? Buckets and buckets of buckets and buckets of maggots. You don't think it's not buckets? It's raining maggots in the nightclub. It's raining maggots. Yeah, landing on people's pizza. Landing people are drinking, drinking maggots. The, the, the DJ is scratching maggots. Oh. It's just, I was like, this is disgusting. And that was I pretty nasty. But I couldn't turn away. Right. I couldn't right. turn. I couldn't turn away. Right. You know, I mean, the, the 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 only real problem with this film is that, like I said, tonally, it the shifts are a little bit too stark. Because while I think it leans into the horror and it leans to the horror effectively, and depending on who you are, you know, this will either scare the bejesus out of you or it'll just you'll just say like oh wow this is creepy you know there's a lot of blood there's a ton of blood in this film um uh and despite the blood that's shown there's not a whole lot of gore and the gore that is shown is actually more for comedic effect and that's where the problem is because that gore used is used that comedic part is so absurd and it's played so to the height of comedy that it takes you out of the film. Or it took me out of the film. Mm-hmm. It, it, and, and especially because it comes at a point in the film that is nearing its climax to a degree. And you're really supposed to be, you know, ratcheting up the tension. And that humor is still there. And it takes the, it takes the uh, foot off the off the gas, you know what I mean? Um, and it, and it, it, it gives you a relief. And I think it's, it, it gives you too much of a release. And that is the, to the detriment of this movie, which all in all, is just a dumb from, I could not believe that I was sitting, I was sitting here watching the movie. I was like, this is a really dumb movie, but it's fun. This mm-hmm. is, it's a, it's a dumb, it's a dumb, fun movie that I enjoy. And I think anybody would enjoy it. Yeah, I think you enjoyed it more than I did because <laughs> I thought it was a dumb movie that could have been a better movie. True. Like, true. like I like it was, I, I I like the cast. I like a lot of people in this cast. Um, you know, you talked about Pam Greer. I've always liked Clifton Powell. Clifton uh, Powell. Yeah, I always thought um, Khalil Kane Khalil Kane should have been a bigger star. Like, mm-hmm. I think he kind of kind of got caught in that traffic of those 90s actors and never kind of broke through. Mm-hmm. You know, he was on Girlfriends, but but I thought he could have been a, a, a bigger star. Talking about youth uh, potions, you know, Bianca Lawson, the only reason I even really know who she is is because she's on Queen Sugar. Right, right. Why does she look exactly the same 20 years ago? <laughs> So, you know, she's okay. I have to say, I think as charismatic as Snoop is, I got the sense that Snoop was not the actor that they may have thought he was. And this is why. I felt like the 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 plot itself unfolded very slowly. Like like you're it really did this this film is an hour, a little over an hour and a half. It's like an hour 38 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of clicks what all is happening 
Like, like they actually tell you that these people have betrayed him. Like they sort of allude to it. You get these yeah. sort of images, but it's 53 minutes into the film until you actually see what happened. Right. And what I suspect, I don't know this, but just looking at, at the way the film is put together, I suspect there's a lot of footage of the seventies that never made it to the final cut. Like, I feel like you you get the sense that these relationships between these characters, between, oh, Ricky Harris. I always like Ricky Harris. Yeah. Ricky Harris's character, Clifton Powell's character, Pam Greer's character, Clifton Powell's character. Did I say Clifton Powell already? You said Clifton. Anyway, yes, the four of them. You get the sense, the policeman's character. I got the sense that they had been established a lot more. Like, it's never really explained how Clifton Powell is the one who made it to the suburbs and Ricky Harris is well, still yeah. in it. And I think it's because Snoop is just not the act. Like, Snoop is the present. Snoop has a charisma. I think as the monster, Snoop is great. But I got the sense that this was going more for uh, people under the stairs, perhaps with some commentary to it as opposed to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, or rather what Nightmare on Elm Street becomes, where mm -hmm. Freddy Krueger is just this great image. So that part, it, it, it kind of took me out of it because I kept wanting more. Like, I kept wanting well, I more from that. it. And then I couldn't really figure out what Bones' endgame was. Like, he uh -huh. wanted revenge... But then, like, he got revenge, and then they went to the underworld. Like, I have in my notes, I don't know why the film's not over. Like, they're in the underworld. Like, he's gotten his revenge, and it's like, if you've seen these movies, once he gets his revenge, he should be done. Yeah, yeah. But then they go into the underworld, and there's the whole bit with, with, with Pam Greer's character, and he says, why don't you stay with me? And I'm like, okay, all right, I can see that a little bit. But then he kills his daughter. He kills Khalil Kane. Like he's just killing people kind of haphazard. And again, I got the sense. I was like, it's almost like they had to fill in the blanks or fill mm. in some time. Like we had to fill some time so that I'm not going to say it was. I can understand how you can go. I think if you go into this and turn your brain off. You can have some fun with it. But but the problem is Ernest Dickerson makes me expect certain things. True. And there are enough little hints where it's like I feel like they could have like really done something with this. Well, I will give you that I will g give you it, that Snoop you know, for his charisma, um, doesn't one hundred percent pull off the the acting because the one scene, the big flashback that is uh, seen where he is given the most to do, which mm -hmm. is you know basically where he meets his demise, um, he is a little lackluster in that scene, right? And it, and and that scene only really that scene crackles if he is giving it a little bit more. Um, right. 
or at least pops a little bit more. And it doesn't right. because he because he's not. Um, so I will I will say that. And 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 I think part of that issue, um, you know, and I don't know this at, at all either. Um, but I think part of the issue with that is him and probably Ern- at, at Ernest Dickerson's direction is trying to modulate between what Jimmy Bones is, is in 1979 and what Bones, the, the reincarnated, is in 2001, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like how menacing, how ultra cool and badass do I appear? And I think that he's having a hard time you know, trying to modulate between the two because because let's face it, you know, as much as he is died in a wool Snoop Dogg in 2001, he still is not that experienced of an actor. He pretty sure, much has sure. gotten gotten by by playing Snoop Dogg, you know, exactly. So um, I'll give you that. And, and and that's where you've got to lean on the rest of the people that are in your cast. And the shame of it is that as much as we both like Clifton Powell, and you can see Clifton Powell trying to bring something to this film, he too is not given a whole lot to do in the right. movie as well. Um, I definitely have a funny feeling that he, there's a lot of... Um, footage of him that is on the cutting room floor maybe from the 70s but also just in, in involving with his family i mean there's a whole dynamic there with him right like, right I, I i can see how he gets to the suburbs because you know once you see that flashback and you can kind of extrapolate that he's the one that continued on jimmy's business because he was kind of like his right hand man but where does he where does he take the turn and is now with, uh, you know, a white woman and has like, you know, this whole blended family. You right. Know? And, and apparently uh, he's he's a real estate dude. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. like the he real- kind of gets out of because Ricky Harris is still a criminal. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. But, but so. Clifton Powell has kind of shifted and turned into a real estate dude, which is 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 a plot point, is a story point that you get the sense that it probably was addressed in some footage. Yeah, yeah. That I never will, though, made it to the final cut. I will say, though, that when he first appears on the screen and you you are given the impression that he is, you know, a legitimate type of dude when he comes on the screen, uh-huh. for a moment, I was, like, like, ecstatic because I like Clifton Powell, but I've always wanted to, to see him play more of a straight role. You know what I mean? Right. But right. because he, he so often it does, you know, is the, the villain of the piece or like the cocky dude. Um, but of course. It's Clifton he's, Powell. He's Clifton Powell. <laughs> it's Clifton so, Powell. you know, he's got to be Clifton yeah. Powell. Um, I don't I don't know if you watched the last OG and I, I, I suspect they may have stealth canceled it, which is a shame because the season ended on a cliffhanger, but Clifton mm. Powell plays a dirty cop <laughs> this this past season. Y- you don't say. And boy, is he Clifton Powell. <laughs> Clifton Powell, play, he plays a dirty fill-in-the-blank in everything. everything. Just everything. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, but God bless him. God bless him, the brother. I, I um, will say back to Snoop as as this sort of almost Freddy Krueger-esque figure. I could have watched two sequels of Bones getting into supernatural shenanigans with the head of Ricky Harris. <laughs> See, but that was... The, that was a totally different movie. It was a totally different movie. It was my favorite part of the movie, though. Like Ricky Harris saying, come on, man, I killed you. You killed me. Now we even made me laugh out loud. It was. It, I mean, all of a sudden, all of a sudden we were in. Um, oh, God. Uh, I, did, I just drew a blank on. Um, oh, crap. Sin City. Uh, I think yeah. it's Sin City too. When um, Benicio del Toro is dead with a gun sticking through his head, but he's still talking in the car. Yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah. But it's but it it and it's it's a fun scene, but it totally takes you out of the movie. Yeah, it's it's True. like the move. It's like the movie is is creating its own meme right in the midst of the film. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And and th- and that's the shame of it. That is actually the the shame of it because um, it it just and because it comes at a weird part of the film. If that's early <laughs> on in the film, you know, maybe you give it a pass. But it's like we're supposed to be like you know, getting to right, the right. End we're here. wrapping it up. Like we're yeah, wrapping we're, this up. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you take us to to the sitcom. You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Like that. It, it, it's. It, it, it it's it's a shame that like you said it, it I still liked it I still like it was fun look I could watch Khalil Khan get battered into submission by a hail of maggots <laughs> every day of the week <laughs> the the like I think like you said the the effects. And a, and a fair number of practical effects too, which I appreciate. Oh, uh, most, yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciated that. Are very effective, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. effective, and and very sort of evocative. Yeah, the, I, this this is one thing I will say that I think that those moments in the hands of maybe a more experienced horror director probably come off a little bit better they come off okay mm-hmm. Ernest, because i'm not knocking ernest dickerson as a, as a director at all but i think as i don't think he his horror chops are necessary right right he's not a horror guy yeah locked in you know yeah yeah now i'm, so, I'm really and, and, curious and I think, uh, go ahead no 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 go ahead no 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 now i'm curious to see the other horror film that he directed Tales of the from the crib. Yeah, right. Demon Knight. Right. And I don't have it in front of me. Maybe you know off the top of your head which film came first. I believe Demon Knight came first. Because okay. Demon Knight is yeah, Demon Knight came first. Demon Knight is nineteen ninety five. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. so it is it 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 will be sort of fascinating to see. And again, at this point we have this body of of horror films. Mm-hmm. And I think my problem, and I'll just go ahead and admit this, 
is that I'm really looking at this through the lens of of our ongoing engagement with these films mm-hmm. and how they address social themes, black themes, you, you know, just just themes, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and again, I, I think there's this really it it's almost like you know, like how when you start a fire and it hasn't quite started, it's like a little bit of smoke. Yeah, yeah. That whole bit about Clifton Powell being so adamant about he did what he had to do to leave the neighborhood. And now his son comes back to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And and that's that gen- and then you, it's 2001, so they actually referenced um gentrification a little bit yeah they do like i feel like if they just blew on that a little more yeah you could you could really get something going here Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you really could you really i mean and and uh, just the whole idea of snoop not wanting to have crack cocaine come into his neighborhood and um and the uh, the other thing that I think lets the film down is like the building that he has is like his headquarters is this real ornate, you know, almost gothic looking building in the middle of this neighborhood, right? Right. Which harkens harkens back to the architecture of you know um, early early twentieth century New York, right? Right. Um, but even when you see it in 1979, you do see a little bit of the disrepair and a little bit of its of its of its wear on on the building as fleeting as it is. And then you see even more of it in 2001. But I don't think it's really. I think it's more played up for the haunted house aspect of it as opposed to as opposed to what it means for that neighborhood that that's that this building is now so run down exactly and and now you have uh, uh, again this this sort of really cynical cyclical nature where the father ran the neighborhood down like the father is the reason the neighborhood got run down Mm -hmm. and now the son's going to come in and buy it cheap Right. And make right. some money off of it. Yeah. 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 Which, you know I mean? which would then explain Bones, uh, you know, we do spoilers, folks, would explain Bones killing him at the end. True. Because True. now he's, you know, complicit in it. But it would also explain Bones, you know, resurrecting now. <laughs> right. Right. Why now? Like, why is now? Yeah. It, exactly. You know exactly, <laughs> but um, you know this. Um, I also think it takes Snoop. It it takes some of the pressure off of Snoop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To carry the thing, like like, I don't think Khalil Kane is a great actor, but I think he's a good little actor. I think he's. I think he's a and, nice little actor, and I feel like he could have carried this better. Yeah, he's young though. I'm gonna give him a pass at, at this right. point. He was young. He's a, yeah. He's a young buck at this at this point. You know. Although I mean? by 2001, uh, anything, by 2001, he's been in Fresh. Yeah, I loved him in Love Jones. 
I want him to have his own spinoff in Love Jones. I forgot he was in Love Jones, yeah. Right, because remember, Nia Long ate up all the cereal. Like, he asked her, what cereal yeah. do you want? Yeah. And then she ate yeah. up all his cereal. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, I, I can't give him a pass then, because I really do, I really don't think he's good in this film. I really think he is, he is, he he is like screaming so many of his lines in this film. Is that the script though? The, the script doesn't the script doesn't have volume. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> he is screaming some of his lines. So I can't I see now see now I can't give him the pass. You're right. I right. forgot all about Love Jones. You know, yeah. I'm yeah, fresh, but he was still young there, you know what I mean? But yeah, I forgot about Love Jones. He is so modulated in Love Jones. So. I always feel sad for him in Fresh cuz Tupac just just takes the movie from him like it's his lunch. I know. I know. Like, this I is know. now my movie. Like, you thought it was your movie, and I feel like his agent told him this is his movie, and then Tupac just came and and just, just took it from him. <laughs> like, we all witnessed the theft. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, Who's the other one? Omar Epps, right? Right, right, right. And, right. and o- Omar Epps said, thank God I got more scenes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Whew. right. It's you and me, bro. It's you and me. My you goodness. And me. You and me, Pac. It's you and me, dog. Just brutal what Tupac did to them. <laughs> Y'all doing something with this movie? This my movie. You know, that really is a shame because, you know, Omar Epps, you know, he's got enough charisma to hold on, hold his own. And plus the script, you know, is, is set up for him. You know, he's got, yes, he's got yes. the scenes. Absolutely. You know? And then the other brother, the, the, the young boy, he's just the, the you know, the, the comedy relief. Yes. So as long as he gets a, fun, a couple of funny lines, he's done his job. Exactly. Right? But Khalil's character... He he is. You are supposed to kind of like ride with him a little. Bit. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and you realize you haven't stopped looking at Tupac for forty five minutes. <laughs> it's terrible. I've always felt bad for him because of Fresh. Oh 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 oh, Deborah Battle. I mean, a uh, juice. It, it's not. It's not fresh. That's yeah, juice. juice. That's yeah, right. I meant juice. juice. Yeah. <laughs> It's juice. It's juice. That's right. That's right. Uh, That's right. Well, it was fresh juice. Um, fresh. It was fresh juice. <laughs> I, right, Vince. What's that magic question you have to ask me? My question is, of course, would you recommend this film, Lynn? Okay. Uh oh. I hate. I, I hate to do this. Okay. I'm going to recommend Bones, but of course. I'm doing it with a caveat. Ah. I would definitely recommend Bones for the cookout. For the cookout. Okay. This is for the cookout. This is for the cookout. This is this is either playing on the big screen out back or you've got it downstairs. Um, with, you know what? No. I, I was going to say downstairs with the kids. But I would say no, because it has to be up upstairs with the adults. One, because like I, I, I mentioned earlier, 
the rap music that is in this movie is 100% misogynistic. I mean, it's like, I was listening to some of the lyrics, you know, like those that you can hear, and they are really straight over the top. Some, yeah, some, yeah. some West Coast, like you and me, you know, in your like, like crazy stuff. Yeah. So the, so the raps, the rap songs are crazy misogynistic. And there is a creepy scene where Snoop Dogg as Bones, who you have to believe realizes that Sin, Cynthia, played by right. Lawson, right. is his daughter. I mean, There's the rest a- of us figured it out. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, the really creepy scene where he sneaks into her bed and is straight up fondling her entire body. It is the most confusing moment in the... You know what I thought, Lynn? You know what I thought? This is what I thought. At first, I thought there was going to be some type of reversal. Mm -hmm. And there was another ghost in there. Oh. That Jimmy Bones was going to protect them from. Mm. Because Mm. I thought the same thing. Why is he fondling his daughter? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, I thought the reversal was going to be that you thought it was Bones because of the way it was shot, but it in fact was Khalil Khan's character. Who had snuck back into the room. Right. But no. No, no. <laughs> no, that's not what it was at all. And 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 the thing is, is that it's not like, you know, I was like, okay. Do I want to give him the pass that maybe he doesn't know that it's his daughter? But there's no scene in the film where he shows surprise, like, yo, that's your daughter. You right, know what I mean? Right. So he always knows that it's his daughter. So thus, the creepiness is canon, and right. it's it's messed up. And, and again, even when he discovers it's his daughter in the text, he murders her at the end. Oh, that's true, yeah. Again, it, the whole, it, like, I don't understand. I didn't understand the last 15 minutes, quite honestly. honestly I was confused I by the last 15 minutes. I didn't either, because, but I I didn't know, because here was where I thought they were cribbing Candyman a little bit, and that he didn't necessarily, I guess he does, te- does technically kill her, but I didn't know, so, was it so much that he killed her or that he just recognize that oh she is my blood so she can be me in a sense right yeah I couldn't understand I just didn't under- <laughs> like I really was just confused I mean I didn't care enough, enough to rewind it no, like- <laughs> no 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 or go find some like plop synopsis and maybe no. that'll explain it to me no yeah, <laughs> I, I'll say I'll save that conversation for for the barbecue. For for, for the barbecue, yeah. <laughs> I think I might say the same thing. I'm, I'm I, I'll I won't have it in a barbecue, but I'll have it in a barber shop. Oh well, there you go. Because that way you don't not even listening to it. Right, right. You're just sort of watching it because I I do think the imagery is is evocative. I. Uh, I think it fits into that tradition of the dumb horror film mm-hmm. that doesn't yeah. really make a lot of sense, but you really kind of go into it for the 
the kill scenes. Right. And like you right. said, there there are some there's there some kill scenes in here. It is. So. It is. So Bones, ladies and gentlemen, from 2001, go check it out. Um it'll be it'll be a fun time. It'll be a fun time. You know, your mileage may vary. Uh before we tell you what we're gonna watch next week here on Black Horror Month in on the Michelle Mission, I invite you to give us all of your feedback. Send them, email them to us, if you will. Uh, you can email all of your feedback to michellemission at gmail.com. You can also like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Michelle Mission. You can also uh, subscribe to the Michelle Mission on YouTube uh, at the Michelle Mission um, page where we have a special videos going up there we got i think a new video is supposed to be going up there this week vince there's an edited version vince of episode 137 which was our review of dolomite that we did in brooklyn with omar uh dorsey and dorian missick an edited version of that review will be going up on our youtube channel this week did we videotape that? No. But you kind of like just make a video of the show in a way. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't remember. I honestly don't remember. I always yes, tell you. Like if people, if people want to see Lynn actually earn his producing stripes, <laughs> listen to those episodes. Because it's just <laughs> chaos. And Lynn is able to pull it all together. So I don't remember turning on the tape. <laughs> we had been talking for a half hour before we started. So there you go. An anatomy of a podcast. There you go. There you go. Uh, the Michelle Mission is also available in an edited form, ladies and gentlemen, every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM Philly Cam. Philly Cam. People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. And the Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate curated podcast for your podcasting pleasure. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next week on the Michelle Mission it's Vince's turn to select it is. our film. Vince, what are we going to be checking out next week? We are going to have a formal discussion of a film that we have talked about informally through a talk back. You and I had a, hosted a talk back a few years ago when it premiered. But now we will formally discuss Jordan Peele's sophomore effort. Ooh. Us. Yeah, what so are we going to do? Hmm? What are, what are we going to review? We're going to review us. We're going to review the Michelle mission? We're going to review, yes, yes. Yes, and I don't, and I don't know who's on third. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, Lupita Nyong'o and us. All three of us will be here. Oh, on the machine. 
Oh, no, get Michelle it all out. Gentleman. Get it all out. I have my bones jokes. So now you got your. I'll be here all week. Yeah. Until, until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. And in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>